But I think there's been this fear that exercise is somehow going to be dangerous. Uh, and it's quite the contrary. After that first day, when they say you have cancer, there's a new person born. You know, there's this thing called new normal. I, th I think they don't really maybe understand how much it's going to help them. Each patient and each survivor is going to be experiencing different side effects, different experiences. The positive is that it's, it's never too late. Welcome to the REACH podcast, where you'll hear from researchers, doctors and patients themselves on how exercise, nutrition and lifestyle behaviors can reduce cancer risk and improve survivorship. I'm your host, Kieran Fairman. Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 11 of the REACH podcast. In today's show, I'm chatting to Darcy Wyan, who is a Hodgkin's lymphoma survivor. So we're 11 episodes deep into the show, and I have maybe 20 plus interviews already recorded and ready to send out. And I really get so much from the researchers I interview in, in learning about what they're up to and how exercise can help. But there's just something about talking to survivors and, and even patients and just... The stories are so powerful, and Darcy's is one that's just an incredible one. She was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma a year out of college, and uh, the day she was diagnosed, she was diagnosed in the morning and had a job interview that afternoon, a four-hour job interview, and she got the job, and it just it speaks volumes of the character of Darcy and just the strength of, of the woman she is. So essentially today we just chat about her journey from you know going through the treatment for Hodgkin's lymphoma coming out the other end in terms of survivorship and now she is currently on the cover of Women's Health magazine and she's at the finalist for the next top fitness star and if she wins she'll get to design workouts for women's health and she'll be you know featured regularly in the magazine for the next year so really cool stuff and I just it's it's such an incredible story to hear her journey from you know going through treatment to where she is now and the really cool thing about the Women's Health magazine, the competition, is that uh, it w works on votes. So you can go online to the Women's Health or the Next Fitness Star uh, online portal and vote for Darcy. And you can do that unlimited time. So I really encourage everyone to go to the link that's in the show notes. Go on there, vote for Darcy and just, you know, get her to be the next top fitness star. And she'll be... You know, she'll be on the cover of Moving's Help maybe for the next year. So uh, huge thanks to Darcy for, for taking the time to chat. And again, the stories of the survivors, I think, provide so much value, not just to me in terms of understanding what people are going through, but I think anyone who's listened to this as a cancer patient or survivor can really relate to it a lot more. You know, there's only so much we can understand as researchers, but to have someone who's been through what you've been through and has come out the other side swinging, I think is really powerful. So again, thanks to Darcy for sitting down and having a chat to us and uh, we'll get right to the episode. Enjoy it. <laughs> um, so I actually do a full regular nine to five. I sell insurance basically as my day job. Um, and then my passion and what, you know, keeps me sane is this thing is what I do before and after work with system of strength. So the classes here training, you know, whenever I can on top of my other job. So system of strength is in, well, I'd say it's in Grandview. It's in several locations mm -hmm. in Columbus, Ohio, yes. looking to expand. Um, I met Dars, 
a year and a half ago, yeah. quite a bit ago, started working out at, at this gym and uh, was frightened away. Yes. <laughs> um, incredible people and just a really great gym and a community to be a part of. You know, my favorite part about SOS is, is the fact that it is a community and brings so many people together. And, uh, you know, everyone who works there is so close as well. And so I feel like a lot of your selling insurance is really dreaming about what you're doing before and after work. Correct. So let's go back to, you know, you're, you're fit, you're flying right now, you're working in the gym. Let's go back to, you know, years ago when, when you were diagnosed and, and just walk us through that story. So when I was 23 is when I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, everything happened like really quick, like from the diagnosis to starting my treatment. And it honestly, when I look back, feels like such a blur like that feels like such a long time ago um and I'm about to turn 30 this month and it's crazy to say that that experience was seven years ago but I really just celebrated like last um July my five-year anniversary um so huge milestone as you know anyone that is a cancer survivor knows you kind of go back to the having the same risk if you will as everybody else to getting diagnosed um so you're a fresh out of college when you got diagnosed, 23? Uh, 23, yeah. I mean, I was, I guess, a year. Were you were you a fit and active person before you got diagnosed? So all of high school, I mean, I swam. I was a like competitive athlete and then went into college. Like, those habits carried with me. And I've been, always been someone who truly enjoys working out. I do it much more of, like, a reward versus a punishment. Um, and... I really did that all of college and it wasn't until towards the end of college when, as I was <laughs> going to say, all that weight starts to gain up to catch up and you start to go out and eat more than you go to the gym and you know, that's fine because you're in college. Um, <laughs> and so outside of college, then I started to work out to lose all that weight. And it was interesting because I don't think it was until after I was diagnosed that I realized, you know, I was working out to punish myself and everything that I had done my whole life about working out because I just truly enjoyed it, kind of took a step back because I was so concerned about losing this weight. So as I was working out, I started to like black out or have extreme headaches, dizziness, shortness of breath, all of that stuff. And because I was working out so much and I just wanted to lose the weight, I kept attributing it to just long workouts, like two days and pushing off, pushing it off. So, I mean, that probably went on for three months or so before I like specifically remember this moment and I was in a spinning class and I, I like almost blacked out and fell off the bike and I called my mom. I had to leave class early, which I would never do ever. <laughs> so I was like, something is seriously wrong. And I I called my mom and crying. I was like, you know, I have to go to the doctor. Something's wrong. It's like not right. So I went to the doctor and um, got a chest x-ray. And then, you know, immediately from that point on, they can really see that um, you have Hodgkin's lymphoma. And within a day I had gone and had further testing done and they determined that's what it is. You know, what? It, what is that moment like for you when, when that doctor sits you down and says as a 23-year-old, as a mm -hmm. you know, you've got cancer? Yeah. Um, I actually remember that moment too. I was at first watch with my grandmother and the doctor called and this is going to sound so silly but I didn't know what Hodgkin's lymphoma was like I had never heard of it I thought it was something like pneumonia something that you just go you get a treatment for and then it's just better it sounds so silly in hindsight but you know I sat back down with my grandma and I told her and she immediately starts crying and then I got up I got even more upset and you know we just she's like I need to go home with you and I was like no no I just need to go home by myself and process this and the same day I found out I had cancer I had a job interview for my first like real job out of college and it was later that afternoon so 
it was just such like so many overwhelming emotions. I'm prepping for this job interview. That's like a four hour phone interview. And I just had to push it in the back of my mind. And, you know, I hadn't really told anyone that whole time besides my grandma. And I just wanted to get through the interview and whatnot. And so after I started to look it up and then realized like, oh shit, this is like way more serious than, you know, I realized and your family's so upset for you. And, um, I'm trying to be strong because I don't want them to hurt. And it was crazy. Like those next like two weeks are just go so fast with all the testing and how much you're in and out of doctors trying to kind of come up with your treatment plan. So you still did the interview? Yeah. And you I got were... the job. <laughs> <laughs> if there's anything that signifies that, that's, you know, that's just insane. Okay. So you, you've been diagnosed and you're in and out of ho- how long is it between, before, between your diagnosis and, and your first treatment? Um, probably I think less than a month. I was diagnosed in, in, um, February and then I started treatments before March. Yeah. Like that last week in February, I think. And it was every two weeks, every Friday. So what's going through your mind in that month between diagnosis and, and that first treatment? Mm-hmm. Um, I was really concerned about my job cause I had just gotten it. I really <laughs> wanted the job and I had to go in there and have this meeting and you know, you're, I'm young, I'm inexperienced and I'm trying to explain to my boss, like I'm going to need to leave early every, every other Friday. And I just really wanted this job. I wanted to do well at it. And like my main concern was trying to keep my life as normal as possible. And truthfully, I just always felt like this happened to me versus my family or all of my close friends for a reason. Like I feel that I can handle it and I am stronger than, um, you know, my sister or my brother, I would take it 10 more times for them not to have to go through it. So there really wasn't a lot of sadness. It was just like head down in the sand, like, let's go. This is what we have to do. Here's the plan. Here's when it starts and here's when it's over. It's really interesting because of, you know, I've worked with a lot of cancer patients, survivors and some, do take that hit and they do experience a lot of sadness and grief around the diagnosis but you just you just hit a head head on and mm-hmm. said whatever I need to do mm-hmm. do it mm-hmm. so we'll talk us through that support you know you, were you with Matt at the time yes Matt the people's champ everyone <laughs> who knows Matt absolutely adores the dude and um, how you know how did that affect it to you and how how did that work out yeah he was just my boyfriend at the time if anything he's where I probably felt the most guilt around I mean he didn't sign up for this you know he just like we had just started living together on our own and then you know he has to go through all of this as well and everyone that knows him like he's a very sensitive person very emotional and and so I mean a lot of people in my life are that way so that's also why I felt like I had to be stronger for them. You know, I didn't want him to see me upset or me broken because then that would only hurt him 10 times over. Um so I think if you ask him about the experience, he would probably you know have a lot more feelings of like sadness and emotional ups and downs because I you know you don't want to see the one you love suffering, you want to take it for them, but you know I tried to stay strong for for him too. Um I think that was probably the turning point to him to realize like, I want to be with her forever. I know I can't speak for him if he didn't think that before, but um, you know, when he signed up for all of that, it's like he, we were in it for the long haul for better or for worse, you know? Yeah. It's one that you get through something like that and mm-hmm. you know, you're so much stronger for right. it. So walk us through the treatment. You had chemo. Mm-hmm. How, how did that treatment look? You said it was once a week on a mm-hmm. Friday. 
Um, so, so what does that look like? You know, a lot of people listening to this may not even know mm-hmm. what chemotherapy is. And yeah. so tell us, tell us that kind of journey. Yeah, I, def- I definitely did not. I had no idea what to expect. Um, so you walk in the first day, and a, a lot of how the reasons I did feel, I felt guilty when I got diagnosed with cancer, which is weird, because I there are so many more people that have worse kinds of cancer than what I have. Like, if people hear this, you know, I'm the kind of cancer they want to get. So it's weird to say that I felt guilty, but I, I didn't want to talk about it because there are people that go through far worse things than what I go through or than what I what I went through. Um, and that's how I felt like when I walked into chemo too. You walk in there and I'm 23, a full head of long curly hair and I have my work clothes on and there are people that are sitting there that don't even have the energy to get up. And that's the, that first moment when I walked in there that first day is when like it hit me that, you know, this affects so many more people on such a broad spectrum. And that's honestly when like the guilt started to set in. Like I look around and there are people that don't know if, you know, if they're going to live to see next month and going, you walk into the room and it's a bunch of chairs and then all your bags of chemicals (laughs) that they're going to put into you. Um, an interesting thing about me that in hindsight, I wish I wouldn't have done this is I was really, stuck on not getting a port like I was really into the whole like big scar thing and that this was just a temporary point in my life I didn't want a scar to reflect such a short period of time that isn't going to define me and I was really hung up on that so I decided to get chemo intravenous which I get was against the doctor's orders given the long you know six months stress every week your veins just will never have time to recover and it can become very hard at the end which I absolutely experienced and I wish I would have gotten a port by the end of it but um it also makes your sessions much longer, so I pushed to go as late as I could so that I didn't have to miss work, so I wouldn't get there till 3 or 3.30, and I mean, I would go till 6.30 um, of just constant, they'd you know, find the vein, and it would just be, you'd go through, there's four, four different types that you go through, and each one you know, does something different to your body. There's the one that makes you lose the hair, the one that makes you lose your, sick, um, lose your appetite, or you get nauseous. And so like each different, you know, 30, 40 minutes or an hour of each treatment, you'd feel different things. So like in one treatment, my arm is feels like it's freezing to death, like it's super cold and up your entire arm. And then the other one, it feels like a bunch of needles and it's tingling. Then the other one, you have to eat ice the whole time because you'll get mouth sores like almost instantly if you don't. And it's just the whole process. And when you think of it like that, that we're putting something in our body that has all these effects and it's supposed to make us better. But it also has all these side effects. It's just crazy. It's interesting to hear you talk about guilt, particularly when you just described what you went through. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're two or three hours of of just torture like that every single week. Mm -hmm. So to me, the question comes down, you're going through similar to what a lot of people are going through. Why, why did you feel guilty in that regard? Just because I felt like if you had to have cancer, you'd want, what I have. You'd want to be in my situation with a strong support system going into it young and healthy. The odds are in your favor, right? And the kind I have, you know, like the excellent doctor, the way I got right in for treatment, the way I didn't have to worry about insurance not covering things or not being able to pay for my treatments, like all of those things I was fortunate enough to have. There's other people that don't. That's, I mean, that signifies your mindset is that you're going through this this awful treatment and all you're doing is thinking about others. <laughs> so in that room, 
Uh, are you on your own? Are you allowed to talk to people? Do you have mm-hmm. family there? How does that look? Yeah. Um, so there'll probably be anywhere from 20 people. Friday, Thursday and Friday afternoons are usually their busiest given um, the side effects of treatment. And if people are still trying to work, you know, it's the, um, the not the following day, but probably that Sunday would be your worst. Or, you know, for people to go on Thursday, be that Saturday. So people like to do that on the weekend. So Thursday and Fridays are the busiest there. And then in terms of family, you could only have one to two people back there with you at a time. So there are pretty strict rules around that. Um, that definitely made it uncomfortable when, you know, I had my mom, my brother, sister, my dad, Matt, and it's like, <laughs> how do I pick? So they would take turns, um, you know, with who could come back there because you can only have two people back there. Um, most people just watched movies. A lot of people slept. You know, I would try to sleep or do work or... Did you get to know any of the other patients, the Friday no. crowd? No, no, no. Oh. Yeah, no, I didn't. I like and the nurses would be the same. So I got to know the nurses. Um, every week they'd always be the same ones, but in terms of the people, no. So what role did the nurses play in, in that support system in terms of you, you coming in and seeing the same person over and over and they get to know you and know your story? Yeah. The Rose was the nurse that I specifically remember. She was there my first day. And then because I always got there so late, um, they would have to stay after hours. And so they would normally have to rotate on and off about who would stay after to give me like you know, to finish the treatments and stuff. And, um, I mean, they were great. It's like same thing. You see somebody young coming in there, they feel for you. You know, they all, they all were amazing. So you talked about a little bit about the side effects of, of chemo. So, you know, what did you feel the day after the the couple of days after and did those, you know, feelings or whatever symptoms, did they fluctuate across the days? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So again, like going in, I mean, I think I had it set up better when you're younger, I'm healthier going in. Um, that really prolonged when I actually started to feel really bad. So it's interesting because after the first one, everyone's calling like, are you okay? Are you okay? Do you feel okay? And you feel like really nothing happened. Like I felt fine probably for the first three or four, maybe like I didn't feel like anything had really happened. And three or four cycles or months? Yeah, three or four cycles. Um, Maybe even more than that, because it was every two weeks. So probably for the first, yeah, like two months, everything was fine. Um, You know, my body still was, you know, my white blood cells are still up. Like, it's still, you have your energy, and I felt okay. Um, The first thing that I started to notice was, as I got my new job, you're trying to, like, study, and I'm trying to learn things, and chemo brain is 100% a reality. Like, I could not remember anything I was studying or that I was learning. I was so forgetful, and it was made it so hard, and I would get so frustrated that I would look at a paper forever and wouldn't be able to tell you anything that was on it, and that was probably the first sign that I noticed any side effects from the treatments. Um, and then as things go on and you start to... I think I started to push myself way more than I should have. I was really committed to trying to keep my life the exact same. I wanted, I didn't want cancer to become number one and everything else to become below that. And I held on to that for as long as I could. And I think it clicked, you know, way towards the end when it's like cancer has to be number one. And then whatever fills in two and three is what's going to happen. So if that's, you know, your relationship or your family and work, or if that's fitness, if that's then family, like there can be top three and then, and cancer has to be one of them. So what made that click for you? Um, I started, I tried to travel a lot and do everything with my friends that they were all doing and I just couldn't do it. I, 
there's specifically two trips that I went on. One, I became extremely dehydrated because I kept trying to push myself. And that trip was actually after I was done with treatment. So we can talk about that a little later. Um, but the one when I was still going through it was on, it was at the very end of my treatment. I had barely any hair left and I went on this trip and I just sat on the beach and like cried because I felt so bad and I had tried to push and push and push as much as I could and I just hit a breaking point. One of the, the reasons I talked to you was because you are so fit and active and, and you were before. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that look during treatment and did you try, you obviously tried and stayed mm-hmm. active. Mm-hmm. How did your, your, how was your workout routine affected? Mm-hmm. Um, the doctor said, I mean, and they, for the most part, at least the one I had who was amazing, they encourage you to do whatever you feel like you can. They're not going to tell you not to go to work or not to, you know, work out or go out drinking with your friends. Like if you feel like you can, they're not going to tell you, at least I made it clear to my doctor not to tell me that, (laughs) um, that you shouldn't. And so I really, as I said, I tried to remain and keep my life this as same as it was before. And so that went for the workouts as well. Um, Definitely because it's Hodgkin's lymphoma, it's in my chest. It was made breathing extremely difficult. Like I had to take all the workouts down a notch and just be more mindful of when I was feeling breathless. Um, because I was getting it intravenous, my arms hurt all the time. Like it hurt for anybody to even touch because they would bounce back and forth based off which veins were good. So that made it harm hard in terms of any like lifting. Um, I was really into uh, cycling at the time, but like to grab the handlebars, like I had no grip to do that. So it just became unsafe. So there's like, there was, um, you know, sacrifices I had to make and changes to my workout regimen, but I still tried to keep it consistent just for, you know, my own sanity and well being. Like I knew that I needed that to be able to feel normal. Did you have any sort of energy fluctuations? You know, you talk about modifying your workouts Mm -hmm. and, and some of the issues with your chest like how how was your day-to-day energy did that fluctuate at all yeah yeah as it went on I mean your your body just gets beaten down you just wear down so you're tired more um I would still do my best to to work out when I could but you just need that downtime to recover and you just kind of feel like you can't get up and I can't work I can't wake wake up early on Saturdays to enjoy a workout because I'm just not feeling well from the chemo Friday and trying to have your mind wrap around that that your routine does have to change is challenging (laughs) you don't you don't seem like a person who who enjoys being told what to do no so um your workouts your workouts at the end of chemo looked a lot different than at the start of chemo Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. give us a perspective on on how different that was you know you say your first week of chemo to your last week Yeah, I mean, to the first week, it was still, I could do a two-a-day if I wanted, or I could, you know, do a run and then a lifting, and towards the end of chemo, you know, I'm lucky to get there three days a week and just be able to run a couple miles or to take a spinning class, and just learning how to do one of those and not all of those, and that really being able to celebrate what I can do at the time versus harping on, oh, I can't do this because that's what I used to do. So trying to change that perspective and just celebrating those little accomplishments versus, oh, I can't do what I used to do and having to overcome that. I mean, it's extremely challenging for anyone, but you know, it's good to have those goals, but I have to make sure I'm celebrating what I can do right now. And looking back, how important do you think that that perspective was for you going through treatment? Huge. I mean, that's not that's not the kind of person I probably was when I went into it. It was always setting those goals and then worried about, I can't do this now. Um, so that's where I want to get to. And like, that's, I mean, that's, 
changed. That's been my perspective had, and as a trainer, I'm 10 times more better to my clients and as a trainer because of going through this experience and realizing that health is not <laughs> a given, right? That's a privilege. And so you need to take advantage of that every day. And even on your worst days when you're in the studio, you're here and you felt good enough to get here. So you know, celebrate what you're doing here and then worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. So the doctors kind of gave you a little bit of a free reign to decide what you were able to do. Did they have any concerns over exercise at all or, or what you were eating? And, and what, what yeah. did that advice look like? He he wanted me to pull back for sure. But I mean, I, after meeting with me, you know, for two years, <laughs> he knew that he's not going to tell me to do that. And that I'm just going to listen to my body in my own regards. Um, so we definitely wanted to make sure that, you know, I wasn't dieting in the sense to lose weight anymore, that it was eating all of those quality, clean foods, like let the nutrients work for you and work to prevent those diseases um, and to scale my workouts back. I mean, he did give me a strong push to do that. Um, but again, said, listen to your body. You have to listen to your body. You can't go beyond those limits. Yeah, because a, a lot of the concerns during treatment, particularly for professionals and oncologists and physicians is this idea that there's a fear of a risk of infection fear of of pushing yourself too right. hard and, and that's you know a lot of the, the a lot of what we're trying to do is is change that dogma and so what would you have liked to seen from that advice from from the professionals in terms of exercise and nutrition i think if you would have worked with me more about realistically okay here's you worked out seven days a week sometimes two hours a day now let's like if there was specific measurable actionable regulations or that he told me to do that would have been better um versus just you you shouldn't work out that much or don't work out that much you know because then it's like well i'm just gonna do what i'm gonna do yeah it's interesting because you're coming from uh, you know a, a, a strong fitness background with a good body of knowledge in this area and it, both sides of the spectrum come back to this vagueness of advice mm -hmm. because we have people coming from the other side who aren't active and have no idea how to start, but they want to. Mm -hmm. And they get a pamphlet that says, you know, work out a little bit more, eat a little better, it'll be good for you. And that's our frustration is that that's that's our goal. That's what we want to fix is, is you need to have more than just here's what you do, good luck. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and... You know, I, I don't know if you saw that with some of the people that were in there with you or, or what your experience was with that. Um, I think that most people just stop all of that together, that they fear that it's going to make them feel worse. And then there aren't those measurable, hey, let's just try to, you know, do 20 minutes of exercise three days a week because... I would, I would think, and I'm not a professional, that that would be good for somebody regardless of what you're going through. Um, you know, to reduce your stress levels, help with your anxiety and just to get you out, even if it's a 20 minute walk. But I think that exactly there is not those guidelines. And then, so it's just like, okay, well, I, I just shouldn't do anything because I'm not really supposed to work out that hard, but I don't really know what hard is. So I'm just not going to do anything. Yeah. And it really is crying out for people to, to give you that reassurance that it is okay. Mm -hmm. You know, someone like you, we got to pull back the reins, right. but there's a lot of people who do have that fear of even going for a walk. Right. And if you look at any study that's been done during treatment, because people always ask, you know, is it safe? Is it beneficial? And you'll definitely see improvements in, in stuff like nausea and fatigue and, and sleep quality. It's harder to see, as you probably are aware, tangible improvements in fitness. Yeah. Because you're just buffering to side effects. Right. But my case is always, 
so we all in our studies we compare a group that exercises to a group that doesn't and almost always the group at minimum stays where they're at yeah. which is a good thing yeah sometimes improves almost always the control group the one that doesn't exercise gets so much worse yeah and so this idea that uh, not only is it safe and particularly under the guidance of a professional if you can do that and if you can maintain your fitness that's such a massive achievement and people get frustrated when they're working out like you said that i should be getting fitter because i'm doing this right and that shift in mindset yeah. can play such a positive role in, in yeah. your your workouts yeah yeah i love that i agree the definitely, <laughs> the definitely yeah to do it you're not gonna when you're going through all this other stuff it's not to like increase your fitness performance it's for all those other reasons that we hear all the time that exercise can give to you so let's fast forward to coming towards the end of chemo and you're starting to get signs of we're getting rid of this so what does that end point look like when do you, you get done with treatment or, or you know talk us through that mm-hmm. little journey there mm-hmm. um so definitely that's when you feel the worst i mean this is then six months of this treatment that you've gone through i mean you feel terrible i mean to talk about how my arms felt i don't even think i could put it into words i still have like no grips in my arms i, I can't give blood i can't my veins are so bad every time they blow when i have to go back because of what i've i've done to them what's happened um and it's just that's when I truly started to feel the worst and have all of this come together, like a big rush once it's all over. And so after chemotherapy, I mean, I had to go through two months of radiation, which was every day. That's also crazy because you can't go anywhere or do anything do it every day. <laughs> um, and, you know, the side effects for that are just like a discoloration in your skin and everything. So it's also crazy because I have like tiger stripes all over my back and my arms still that don't go away from the radiation. Um, I don't know if you want me to go into detail. Yeah, but they have to yeah do, if you don't they, mind. They, they, they form your face on this mask. So you have to, they have to, so that you, every time you get radiation, you get it in the exact same spot. So you get a little tattoo. So people, when people say, do you have a tattoo? I'm like, yeah, I do have a tattoo. <laughs> and it's just a little dot that's in on my chest. So they form this mask out of this plastic that's fit to you and they keep it and they asked me if I wanted it when it was over and I was like I don't want this (laughs) mask I'm good but they lay you on this like flat bench and they button the mask to the table and so you literally cannot move at all and then they line up with your um tattoo where the radiation should go it's super quick treatment it's like 15 minutes the whole thing you're said and done and then you go and you come back tomorrow and do it again um so going back to when it's all over, I didn't actually end up shaving my head. I was going to try to hang onto my hair forever until treatment was probably, it was, um, like July 7th. So it was right after the 4th of July and it was probably the worst it ever looked. And I was holding on to just majority of it was gone and I was, it was just terrible. And Matt actually was the one that grabbed the scissors and cut the ponytail off. And he's like the sound of like clipping your hair is something that will just forever be ingrained in my mind. Like I, you know, that's something you never think you'd have to do. And then my dad finished shaving my head. And then I, we have, we used to have a pool in our backyard and I just jumped in the pool. It's like, get all the hair off. And it was like such a rush of emotion. Like we were all sobbing because it just felt like this was the final piece. So it's very weird that I waited that long because chemo was over at that point. And it was like a coming, mo- coming moment. Like it's over now. And I cut all my hair off. Like, let's start new. It's all gone. And some being someone that's attached to your hair. And I think women that go through this, it's particularly hard to disconnect with that. And it sounds so silly and you know, it's just hair, what people always say, but when you actually are faced with that, it's just, it's like you lose a piece of yourself a little bit. Um, 
but it, it truly felt like the biggest relief. Like I wasn't hiding anymore because it was constantly the scarfs or the wigs or, and it's just like, it's gone now, you know? And so, and then I was telling you earlier, the one part that I think gets very much overlooked for people that go through this is once chemo is over you know that's when people stop asking how you are they stop asking and checking in and people think that it's kind of the upswing and for me truly it was the year the two years after that was very tough for me because you think things should go back to normal it's over but you're trying to find your new normal right mine was chemo every Friday every other Friday and radiation every day and then all of a sudden it's like okay you know I don't have to go to the doctor for three more months um I just don't have to do anything on Friday I'm supposed to be healthy now, but you still feel horrible. Like it, the side effects last for six months or a year, just from like the breathing, getting your energy back, your memory, um, your appetite, like all of that is very, very crazy. It's, that's one of the most common things when I talk to, you know, obviously my own ma going through it and, and everyone else I've talked to is this idea that once you're done with treatment and you get your hair back and you start to look normal, people don't see that, it's not, you mm-hmm. know, and, and um, you look normal, you're meant to be healthy. So, mm-hmm. you know, and as you said, they stop asking. And, and how does that look when you still do feel, you know, pretty bad mm-hmm. and it lasts up to a year and people have expressed frustration in, in folks kind of saying, well, you know, you're better, mm-hmm. you know, kind of get over it. Right. The, you know, how does that, how does that feel for you? I would say for me, like we talked a lot about how strong I was the whole time, the year and the two year after probably when I was at some of the lower points having to go through this because I internally got, you know, I felt really strong going through it and I had a very positive mindset and outlook. And then after it became, I want to get back to everything I did a year, two years ago, and my body's not ready for that. So it became back to the beating myself up internally for not being able to do things that I can't do things or, and that was like very hard. And it, it just took such a long time for me to be able to start, you know, working out to physically get better in the sense of like, you know, increasing my physical fitness levels. It was still my body just trying to like regain anything compared to what it was before yeah and we when we explain this to to patients survivors it's um we talk about your your symptoms are going to be most pronounced probably at the end of treatment Mm -hmm. but they will stay and then they start to dissipate over the next months years but you still will have some late effects down the line so talk us through how you felt in terms of your your fitness and how that worked with in terms of your symptoms and how that worked with your fitness you know, the few first few months after treatment, when did you feel like it started to dissipate? And then when did you feel like you were back? Yeah. Um, the first few months after I tried to go back to what I was doing before, um, again, my doctor told me to still listen to your body and not do that. You're not there yet. Um, and so I, I was pushing myself too hard for sure. And that lasted for the first year for sure. I mean, you honestly feel like you're still going through it. It still feels like I, you know, can't breathe. My arms still hurt. It's just everything I was experiencing towards the end of chemo. It's, I mean, it's still there for, I'd say a year, um, into the second year, I can remember that's actually when I found System of Strength. And so this is really the first place that I came when I started to feel back to myself and when I was able to challenge myself and I wasn't feeling the burn in my chest or I was feeling the burn because that was just really hard. It wasn't because I was sick or because I had cancer and I went through chemo. Um, You know, it allowed me to get back to this normal routine that 
that I was in love with before this all happened. Um, and so I would say at two years, you start to feel like you can, you know, and this just sounds so crazy because when I even say it out loud that it doesn't feel like it should be that long, but it really, it is. And I would say at year three, um, that's when I felt like, okay, I'm back to myself. Like I can start doing, you know, pushing myself outside of my discomfort zone and not being worried that I'm going to be super fatigued or that there's these lingering side effects from the treatments or cancer that I've had. So you had a couple of interesting points there. The first one I want to ask you about is you, you mentioned you were pushing yourself too hard. Is that in hindsight or were there points where you you know, how does your body tell you you're pushing yourself too hard? I mean, it was hindsight and it's the breathlessness and the, how exhausted I was feeling after when I was trying to rationalize that that was normal. You're just (laughs) kind of desperate for control over something. Yes. Grasping for control for sure. So was it a a gradual, I start to feel better or was there a workout or a day where you're like, I'm good? Yeah. I can remember two workouts specifically at our old studio with Gretchen where like, I felt tired because I was working out hard and I don't know how to describe that, but it's like before I was feeling tired when I was doing things that I know shouldn't really like, I, yes, I should be tired and I'm sweating and I'm exerting energy, but I shouldn't be as tired as I am. And I specifically remember, you know, one of these workouts and I was like, Oh, like I am, my arms are tired because like I did a lot of push ups, and I am breathless because I did a ton of squat pops and like, to be able to relate those back to what I was physically doing was just a huge moment to be like, I felt like I was let go from all the side effects of everything. I mean, just surviving one of Gretchen's workouts alone <laughs> is, is an achievement in itself, true. you know? <laughs> I think she's calmed down over the years. I can't imagine what our first couple were like, just torture. Uh, it was insane. <laughs> it was just like, I can't even believe she has a studio now. <laughs> just kidding. No Gretchen, one let if it, you yeah. listen to this. <laughs> so speaking of that, fast forward four years from then, you're now one of the leaders in SOS, one of the best gyms in Columbus. Um, so... You know, tell us what's going on. Tell us what, you know, how it's been since and and how you're doing now. Um, So everything's good on the health front. I hit my five years this past July. Huge moment. Um, I think another important part to say is that it's, I will forever be, you know, at high risk for other types of cancers because I've gone through this. So because of the radiation, I'm constantly in and out six months a year because of um, getting that or my breast area, it just puts me at higher risk of breast cancer. So already having to undergo some of the biopsies and the constant um, breast MRIs just to make sure that they're in front of it. So I appreciate, you know, that I can go in and on a yearly basis and get an MRI, but um, it's just crazy because it's over, but it it's like to make me better, it could have potentially been created something worse in the long run. So you don't see those those checkups as a burden at all. You're you're welcome going back to the the hospital for checkups and all that. Yeah, I mean for sure, I'm getting the best kind of breast scan you can get. Like skipping the M- or the mammogram, going straight to the MRI. So like they're gonna know if anything is wrong. And I mean, like I for that, I appreciate that for sure. One question I had for you is is I go back and forth with patients, survivors, on on how do I identify? And you know, we we've spoken about it before partially because of what I do but you know how do you do you talk about it are you open about it do you identify as a survivor or how does that mentality look for you mm-hmm. um I would say being a part of system of strength in this community has helped me 
be more open about it really prior to like being a trainer here it was only something I talked about with like my family and close friends like I didn't really talk about it when I got a new job to any of those people um I was never uncomfortable like if somebody would ask me I would be fine I just didn't I don't ever want people to feel bad because of what I've gone through um and so I've never been open to talking about it but then being in this community and given you know, the opportunity to help people in here make a connection with like with health is just such an amazing opportunity. And so if through my story, I can inspire somebody or help them make that connection and relationship that it's not to work out to look good in a pair of jeans. It is so much more than that. And the payoff is so much more than that. That's what's inspired me to be more open and to talk about it. And Um, unfortunately when people know that you have cancer, everybody can relate to that story. Everybody knows somebody if it's not themselves. And so, um, I've definitely become more in the past two years, I'd say open about talking about it and identifying as a survivor of having gone through this and coming out stronger on the other side. It's such a powerful statement you made about going through this shifted that mindset Mm -hmm. in exercise for looks Mm -hmm, into mm -hmm. exercise for health and Mm -hmm cancer survivors aside there's so many people in the fitness world that need to have that mindset shift and understand that it's not about you know you can be healthy without a six-pack and you can be healthy without doing two days and so it's for me when you talk about inspiring that's something that's so inspiring to me so we're at sos (laughs) and by the time this is released you will be on the cover of women's health i will be so I hope you're looking at it for those listeners. <laughs> you can pick it up nationwide you in the can, store. Your local CVS, Barnes and Noble, <laughs> wherever. So tell us, how does that feel? Going from what you went through to now being on the cover of a international magazine. I, mean, I can't. I just can't believe it. So I'm one of the top five finalists for the next fitness star for Women's Health magazine. And... When I read the email, I just had tears streaming down my face. I was, I just could not believe from everything that has happened to where I've come through now. I'm being recognized as maybe, you know, one of the next top five people in the country that applied for this to be the next fitness star. And it is just such an out-of-body experience. I cannot believe it. So what do you, you know, what's, what's the goal with the fitness star competition and what do you hope to get out of it yeah so it's based off votes so it's all it is <laughs> like all, subscribe right, all this stuff yeah it's all voting online through the month of july and then the winner will um produce a series of workouts for women's health and then you'll be their face of women's health for all their workout things over the next year until the next winner is announced that's incredible so obviously i'm voting for you, Thank do, you, you. do you have the link or anything now or should i you know i can put this in the description yeah you should um, when i have the link so you should put it in the description. <laughs> yeah, so, so you can vote every day, every 24 hours from any device you have. <laughs> so lots of ways to vote. No excuses. No, no excuses. excuses, right. Okay, so, you know, SOS has done, you know, done a lot for me and I mm-hmm. was only there for a year. Has done, you know, insurmountable things for you. Tell us about SOS and, and what, what it's about, what the gym is about, and what mm-hmm. the community is about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've talked a lot about it, but this place is so much more than a gym. And I think whether you step in here one time or you're in here every day, you can sense that it is not individuals walking in here. They walk in as themselves and they come out of here as a group, right? We work harder when we're in here together. Um, It's about that community atmosphere to lift each other up when your neighbor is struggling and it goes for just during the workout and then things outside of here. So um, we really have that mentality that together we are stronger. It's not 
you know, you don't walk in here just zoning in on yourself. We do it. We push ourselves harder in a room full of people. And, um, I mean, I just couldn't say enough positive things about what this place has done for my life. And I know a ton of other clients as well. And I hope that we just continue to grow more studios so that we can have people experience this all over the country. It's not just Columbus, Ohio. So yeah, you're you're now world famous Darcy cover magazine star, <laughs> and people want to want to come to your gym and get some workouts from you. So what is, what is the system, and, and what do those classes look like? Yes, um, so the system is made up of a five or six classes. We'll say a blend of cardio are some of our classes, strength, stretch, and recovery. So we believe that all four of those components are key to you know your well-rounded fitness. Without any of those, your body's probably not working at its max level um and so all of our classes are you know you can get a class that's solely cardio a class that's solely heavy weight strength a class that's more toning and nooks and crannies so think like inner outer thighs obliques things like that um we have a full suite of yoga classes now so more of that athletic yoga with flows down to more of a recovery yoga so really across the board um the system is called the system for a reason it's designed to be the only place you'd ever need to go to get everything that your system your body needs um and now we also have our digital studio so if you're not local you can work out with us online so just go to systemstrength.com and then the digital studio is on there all of our classes there are real hour classes or if an hour feels like a little too much there's short 20 minute challenges that are one-on-one with you and the trainer so lots of options on there and it's just amazing to see you know how we're broadening our reach that's brilliant and a, and a real piggyback on that in in that sos has done tremendous amount for me you know whether you're a client or a trainer Gretchen and Kerry the owners and all the trainers everyone looks out for you and it's mm-hmm. such a good community vibe and all the classes you know they have it's all group fit they're based on people of different levels mm-hmm. different backgrounds anyone's welcome um, I will say avoid Corella's classes at all costs uh, she tends to be uh, quite mean it's particularly if she knows you she tends <laughs> to pick on me she's very upset that you said that <laughs> So no, it's it's a great time and it's a lot of fun. And listen, this is this has been brilliant, and and um, I can't thank you enough for sharing your honesty and and being open about your experience. So we'll finish with this. If you have any sort of advice for a patient or survivor or survivor going through chemo or maybe coming to the end of it with a similar cancer, you know what what can you tell them? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, every experience is going to be individual to you. So even listening to what I've gone through or Um, to some of these other interviews, go into it with an open mind that this is your experience, your story, your journey. And what I say and what worked for me and didn't work for me may not be the same for you. Um, So be, you know, life's thrown you this curveball. Take it as it is. Do your best to come out stronger on the other side. And just keep fighting the good fight. (laughs) There is an end in sight. Um, No, listen, thanks again. And as I said, um, systemofstrength.com is where Mm -hmm. you can find you. And make sure you pick up a copy of Women's Health. I think I said Men's Health initially. I'll have to go back and check it out. I said Women's women's Health. Good. I want to make sure (laughs) equality and all that. Yes. And I'll put the link in the description for you to like. And I couldn't meet a better person other than Darcy. So make sure, you know, she's definitely better than the other five (laughs) or other four. So make sure you you like and vote and all that type of stuff. I'll leave uh, links in there for you to go and do that. And listen, Darcy, thanks again for all your time thank you i appreciate it thank you so that's it for today's episode folks thanks a lot for tuning in to just an incredible story and uh, again i can't thank darcy enough and 
make sure you go to the link in the show notes uh, find the link there go and vote for Darcy to become the finalist or become the winner of the, the next fitness star no one deserves it more she's an incredible person and I'm so excited to see you know hopefully see her win and, and see her on the face of, of more magazines to come in the future so again uh, check out the link in the show notes below go vote for her you can vote unlimited between now and August 4th so just keep voting refresh the page keep voting and, and go over and over and let's make sure she uh, she wins so thanks again Darcy and uh, thanks to you lot for tuning in and uh, we'll see you soon